Bless you. Welcome to Prophetic Whispers. This is Elias Flores coming to you from California. Beautiful sunny day out here, 78 degrees, roughly clear blue skies. Just a wonderful, beautiful day. However, we're going to be discussing um, something that's not so uh, so blue, you know, in the sense of beauty, but something that's dark and evil that we've just seen. And what does God say about these things? And uh, what does God say about uh, the last days and the things that are going to come upon the earth? And we're going to take a historical look uh, for a brief moment today. We're going to be taking a look at um, how God has always dealt with Israel and how God has always dealt with his people. And um, we have to come to an understanding of the ways of God. And uh, we have to come to an understanding and see through a biblical worldview so that our faith doesn't get shaken. So we don't start wondering, you know, is God good? Is not God, is, he's not the God of, of Disneyland that I thought he was. You know, therefore I don't like him. I want to get off this, this e-ticket ride that we're on right now. I want to just hide in the sand because it's not what I've been taught in, in Bible school. It's not the way I've been taught in, in my church where everything is unicorns and, and rainbows and, and everything is, is, is flowery and, uh, there's, there's there's never anything that that goes uh, uh, askew a little bit. And, and so we're going to take a biblical look at some of the ways in which God has treated Israel and how he treats uh, the Christian. We're going to look at we're going to look at what the apostles write about about the end times and and what they say about getting under persecution and uh, what should be our perspectives. And so within light of this brutal attack uh, from Hamas and uh, the Palestinian um, people that have come against Israel and attacked and, and uh, you know, the the horror stories are coming out in such a in such a vast uh, volume that uh you know, children's head over forty infants. Their those heads were being cut off. Women being raped. I mean, if you just go on Twitter or, or now known as X, you, there's very graphic videos. And and I think I think it's time now that we start dealing with reality as Christians and start really seeing what persecution looks like and how evil uh, these uh, these enemies of God and enemies of the cross are and what they really intend to do to you. Okay. Those that are, those that look at you and call you an infidel, those that look at you and call you that tell you that, um, you, you are narrow-minded, antiquated and what they really think about you and what they're willing to do to you because of your faith in God. And, and so we're going to have to take a, a sober look at, at the Bible and really pay attention because we've, we've, gotten away uh, so much in our churches, in our lives here on the West, and what I mean about the West is here in America, is our comforts. 
you know, our comforts, that, that we should never suffer. There should never be any persecutions. There should never be any, any of these uh, type of physical harms that come against us because of our faith in God or because of who we believe in. So we're going to have to, we're going to, have to revisit doctrine. We're going to have to revisit what the apostles uh, write in their books, in their epistles about, about suffering and about what's going to be coming down the pike in the last days. And I, and what should our what should our mindset be? Because we are we are coming down we are coming down to the the wire on things. Okay, we are coming down to where wars and rumors of wars and 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 we're getting into the, that area of life. And I know I've been I've been preaching for forty three years. Okay, and um, from a young boy, we 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 were taught that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And so when you look at that message, you know it it te- it seems to wane a little bit um, because we we don't want him to come in our lifetime. We want him to come in somebody else's lifetime, you know, because we want we want to we want to experience life more and more. However, uh, now that I've I've uh, I am older, uh, my perspective has changed. It's like, hey, you know what? If I had that hope in my heart that Jesus was coming, then and and the Antichrist and all these all these plagues and all these and all these end time um end time uh signs were 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 in front of me you know i lived a certain way you know but now that i'm older I, i'm like going okay maybe maybe my grandchildren will see the coming of the lord and i may not just looking at how time rolls and looking at the biblical models that are there looking at some of the um some of the signs of the times and so i'm just projecting okay i'm just projecting uh, some of my observations about time uh because i didn't expect to be 62 so quickly i didn't expect I, 61 so quickly I'm, I'm already in 62 that's how quick it's going but i i'm just saying if i'm projecting prophetically if i'm looking forward i got to prepare this next generation with the right message i got to prepare i got to prepare uh the church with the right message and this this charismatic the cruzomatic ideology that it's in the church where all we got to do is is uh, wait for the glory to come down. Um, uh, we we got to pick up our Bibles again and we got to start looking at this. We got to get out of the bless me club mentality and realize that we are at war, that there is a enemy out there. There is there is a spirit of murder out there. There is there are those that play by different rules and your um, our complacency into into um, tolerance and, and it, it is going to come and it's going to doom you and it's going to doom us if we don't wake up and realize that the enemy of our souls is prowling. He's prancing. He is active. He is engaged in his plot in order to destroy the church and to destroy your faith in God. Okay. I'm telling you, and so we want to take uh, we want to take a biblical look at what just took place. How does this fit in? How how does this fit into the footprints of God? That God God is uh, God is uh, in control of those that think they're in control. That God is sovereign and that God knows what He's doing and He knows how to deal with His people. Okay, to whom much is given, much is required. Okay, if you've ever been to Israel, Israel. Israel is extremely blessed of God, but 
they have their cultural issues. They have, I mean, they, they have their, they have their LGBTQ issues. They have their, their, uh, their anti-Jesus message. I mean, they, they try to just, uh, vote down using the name of Jesus in, in Israel. Okay. They, they try to make that a law. Okay, you can't make this stuff up, but this is the this is the spirit of antichrist that's there. So, I think I think personally, I think that they cross some lines with God. I think that I think that they they as a nation have began to uh, pull away from that which has kept them blessed, that which has protected them. So we're going to take a good look at this, this, um, this uh, approach that I'm giving you. Again, it's a biblical approach. Okay, I'm not giving you my opinions. Okay, I'm giving you, I'm giving you uh, how God dealt with Israel and using that as a template to maybe how he, how he viewed this. Okay, maybe how we do this, and we're going, we're going to be looking at Daniel because Daniel again. Um, Daniel shows tremendous, tremendous resilience in never losing his faith in the most corrupt, the most uh, evil empire uh, described in the Bible, which is Babylon. Okay, Babylon is is the evil upon evils. Okay, Babylon, Babylon, although it doesn't exist as far as a a landmass. It lives on biblically, and it makes it all the way through the book of Revelations, where Babylon finally goes down. I believe it's Revelations chapter 18, if I'm not mistaken. So when when you have when you have a a a um, prophet like Daniel or or, or a judge like Daniel um, that um, that writes so prolific, we can get caught up in the fact that Daniel was was a a what we would call an adventure. Uh, seeker, you know, he, I mean, he, you know, he was in the lion's den. He, he defied the army. These are adventurous things, things that were adventurous, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were, they were at, uh, they were at the cutting edge of believing God and what it shows, what it, what it looks like to actually, actually lay it on the line. Okay, so to speak. So the, you can get caught up in that, and I know that we were brought up in in uh, Sunday school, and if you were old enough to realize that they used, you know, we used to have flannel boards, and 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 you'd always have Daniel Daniel in the lion's den. We had the three lions around him, and the flannel board up on the flannel. You had that picture, and that is all you got out of Daniel. Okay, and some some just get only the prophetic the prophetic, um, prophecies from Daniel. Okay. And, um, and that, that, those are fine. Those are in there, but that's not the main thing. Okay. The main thing, the main thing that, that we're going to get, get out of this is Daniel's humility, Daniel's humility and Daniel's submission. Okay. To his training. And then Daniel's, Daniel's wisdom, when to do what he needed to do, when to stand for God in the way to stand for God in which it would not get him killed. Okay. This is important to understand because Nebuchadnezzar was, was a brutal dictator. He, he was dictate or death. Okay. Don't forget when he erected his, his, um, his, um, idol that everybody was going to bow down and worship at the sound of the music. He says, if you don't do that, you're going to be murdered. Okay. He, if he didn't like, I mean, if you couldn't interpret a dream, he'd kill you. Okay. This, this is, this is tyranny to no end. 
This is the Babylonian system. This is the co this is the tyranny that was there. It was it was evil, completely evil. Okay, this is this is um this is this is uh just just something that we gotta map wrap our minds around in which in which uh, Daniel finds himself and I say and I'm saying that finds himself okay because we're going to look at the template here and Daniel chapter 1 verse just 1 and 2 these two verses and and then we'll we'll progress okay so and this is in light of what we seen just happening Israel being attacked and Israel retaliating and now we have we are on the verge of a, another war in the desert okay in the Middle East we're on the verge of another war okay could trigger World War three so so what they're saying okay so we we have to pay attention to this because it's a real thing this is really happening this this can shift the the um this can shift the the um, the templates of of time as we move forward. How quickly we begin to move towards the latter days. So listen to Daniel, okay? And I want you to I, and I want you to listen to the writing very specifically, okay? It says, and in the third year of the reign of Jerichim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jerichim, king of Judah, into the hands into into his hands. Now, again, here's here's the key. The Lord gave Judah and the king into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. He gave him. There was something going on theologically and biblically that caused a captivity. Now, if you look at if you look at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they they did nothing wrong. They they, they absolutely did nothing wrong. They were they were what they what you would you would say they were victims of circumstance. They were part of that which was seized. They didn't they didn't cause this to happen to them. And, and and when you start looking at our current day events where we have in our mindsets as as Western minds and, uh, you know, the you know, the ones that where, you know, if you if anything goes wrong, then, um, you know, it can't be Christianity, you know, grace, grace, mercy, mercy, love, 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 you know, oh, uh, God, God is so God is so kind and this doesn't look like kindness. Well, let's look at some kindness. Okay, let's look at some kindness. Listen, he says, and and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasures of the house of his God. In other words, he took he took the treasures from God's house and he put them in in he put them in the house of his gods. In other words, he he put them on open display that he was, his gods were greater than Yahweh, that his gods were greater than the God of Israel. This is, this is the, this is the narcissism that was in Nebuchadnezzar. This is the type of, this is the type of tyranny that uh, you are looking at. So there was something, there was something that went wrong in Israel. And it was the, it was the, it was the uh, degrading of God's word the the sin the rebellion against god the destructions of the temple theologically the trampling on the 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 torah the laws of god the israel drifted away and god gave a drifted nation and he used nebuchadnezzar to drive his people back to him it's very important to understand that i know that it, 
Again, we when you look at that, um, when you look at the book of Daniel, you're looking for an adventure story. You're looking for a you're looking for a um, a uh, you know uh, uh, a miracle to happen. You know the uh, you know the 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 fiery furnace, and you're looking at uh, the, the praying three times a day, defying the, those those did happen. But what I want you to what I want you to wrap your mind around that it was God who gave them over. And and again, I want you to look at what's going on in Israel and I want you to look at what's going on here in America. As as I went to Israel in in um in uh, 2014 and 2017, one of the things that was ingrained in us was how how Iran viewed uh Israel and how Iran viewed America. Um, Israel is known as the little Satan and America is known as the big Satan. Okay. That's how they view us. That's the evil. Okay. This, that's the evil that, 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 that they place upon us, the West. Okay. So, so when you look at what's taking place now, we have to be prepared for an assault, an attack, something coming on our soil. Because if you look at the cultural issues that we are having in our nations, both of them, both the progressive left with this ideology that pulls you completely away from God, we're all in danger. We're all in danger. And when you look at that language that's in Daniel chapter 1, uh, verse 1 and 2, where where it says, and the Lord gave gave Joachim, king of Judah, into his hands. In other words, it's the same language that you find in Romans chapter 1, where God God gave the culture up for their lischievousness, lischievousness and their evil actions within their bodies, their, their evil passions, those passions that were that were not normal, you know, and he's talking about homosexuality. He's talking about lesbianism. He's talking about bestiology. He's talking about all those, all those, um, what the culture that we're living in today is, um, is ca- calling normal and trying to normalize them. So we have, we have a, we have some parallels here that we should be t- paying attention to. And there's some, there's some, um, doctrinal issues here that uh, we, we must wrap and frame this um, this incident around. Okay, we need to frame or focus. That's what frames do. Frames focus you on the picture. Okay, so we're going to frame this in a biblical perspective because when you look at when you look at the sin of of Israel that caused Nebuchadnezzar to to um, go in there and plunder Israel and take out you know Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which did absolutely nothing wrong. However. However, they didn't know they were victims. They were victims of national decisions. And this is why voting in our nation, having the right king, having the right president, having the right governors, having the right senators, having the right, having the right people that rule over us and make, make societal decisions for us. That's why we have to vote. That's why we have to, we have to, you know, uh, get out there and vote biblically. And so with that, with that backdrop, Okay, you can look at what's going on right now with 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 Hamas and 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 the Palestinians and and all the all the um, the Iranian supported um, jihadists that that went in there and had done this this atrocious thing. I mean, uh, it, it's 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 atrocious. We have to stay biblically sound in this thing. Okay, where's God in this? You know what 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 is going on here? 
This is Israel. This is God's people. This is this is uh, Ab- the seed of Abraham that we're talking about. And yet something like this happened. Okay. And many Christians are, can get confused. And I, those that listen to me, I don't want you getting, getting confused. I want you to understand the framework of uh, theology that you have to look through the lens. Okay. Because the models are there. The models that anytime Israel has gone off, there was, there has always been an evil nation and an evil king that God used in order to, to reprimand his child. Listen, listen to Hebrews 11, 32 through 39. Again, this is a little bit, it could be a little bit lengthy in scripture, um, opposed to some more commentary that I normally like to give. But you have to, you have to, you have to wrap this thing in biblical truth. And that's what we want to do. Okay. Hebrews 11, 32 through 39. It says this, and more, and what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped with, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weaknesses were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned a flight of armies and of the aliens, women received their dead, raised back to life. Okay, so you have a category where where you know you have these victories, these straight victories where life was extended, um, dead were raised. I mean, I'm just just amazing things happen throughout the Old Testament. Listen, listen to the next verse. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still, others had. A trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and of imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the desert and in the mountains, in the dens and the caves of the earth. All of these having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Here you have, here you have now this, this, this passion, okay, this painful passion that these believers suffered through that didn't obtain the promises, okay? The Hall of Fame, these are Hall of Fame people. These are Hebrews 11 people. They go, they, they are categorized in the same breath as Abraham and Sarah and, and, um, and these other great Moses and, and you name it. They're named Noah. They're named among them. Why? Because they endured something. They were persecuted. This shatters the idea that just because you serve God, nothing bad will happen. And when it does happen, that you have the framework to stay in faith. I mean, first Peter, listen to Peter. This is Peter now. Okay. Peter. 3, 13 through 19. And he is he, and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify yourselves in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense 
okay, an apologia, um, um, an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. So again, here he says, they're coming after you because you began to do right. You began to serve God. You're on a different trajectory. You, you have, you are formed in Christ. You're not formed after the culture. They're going to come after you. That's Peter. Okay. Second Timothy, second Timothy, uh, let's not go there yet. Okay. We have to start looking at, we have to start looking at the fact that there is a lot of pain and that there is a lot of suffering. Okay. That there's pain and that there is suffering in Christianity. And I know we don't, we haven't preached that. I know we haven't, we haven't, uh, majored on those major, uh, doctrinal issues about the suffering the suffering that you're going to go through, the persecution you're going to go to, because it's not sexy. It's not, but we are here. We are here. Okay. If you look at John 16, one through three. Okay. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of your synagogues. Yes. The time is coming that whoever kills you will think they have offered God a service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the father nor me. But these things I have told you that when they come, when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. There is a, there is a perspective, okay, that, that Jesus is giving his disciples. He says, look, they're going to pull you out of the synagogues. They're going to pull you out of your churches. They're going to pull you out of places and they're going to kill you thinking they're doing God a service. Listen, they, they, the, the progressive left, this, 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 um, this pagan culture, they hate Christ. They hate Christ in you. They hate everything that we represent. And, and I know that's, that, that's totally foreign to, to love everybody and think the best of everybody. And, and listen, they, they don't think you're, 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 you just have bad ideas. They think you're a bad person with bad ideas. And the best way to deal with you is to kill you. This is the this is the dividing line. This is this is why why with some of the messaging that has gone on in the church to to be um, inclusive, to lay down our doctrines, to be loving and kind and tolerant in the sense of what the world says is loving, kind and tolerant. To interpret justice as 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 the world interprets justice, not as God determines justice. This is a real thing. What you saw happening in Israel is going to happen in the United States. It's going to happen in, in the United States. We have to start looking at, at some, of the, some of the issues that we are dealing with that, that, that this culture has pushed and the church has embraced. I mean, there's guys, like I said, there's, you know, Andy Stanley. This is probably the, uh, one of the biggest names out there. Son of, son of uh, Charles Stanley, one of the greatest Baptist uh, pastors. But he has embraced the culture. There's so many churches gone woke. Uh, it, it's just to embrace and because got to be loving, got to be kind. We got to yeah, no. Listen, they're, they're, these are these are doctrines that have come in to to lower the standards, lower the standards of Christianity. Destroy what Paul writes in Galatians, that if any man comes or an angel comes and preach any other gospel than what I preached to you, let that man be accursed. And, and so we, oh, oh, that's harsh. Oh, that's mean. Oh, that's, no, listen, we are dealing with humanism at such a high level here in our nation and around the world. This is all humanism. This is all secular humanism. Abortion. The church has embraced abortion. You, you hear this? It's a choice. 
Pornography is out of control. Transgenderism, euthanasia, pedophilia, the LGBTQ, the, all the alphabet uh, stuff that people people are embracing within the church because they, you got to be loved. God is love. Love is love, and and love is the highest form of 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 God's expression. God is love, and therefore you have to include. Stop it. Homosexuality as a as an embraced behavior within the church. Feminized men, drag queens, drag shows. I just I just read the other day that 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 uh, that the Biden administration just put six billion dollars to send around the world to to um, to help to help organizations that push out the LGBTQ mentality, the queering of men, the masculine the masculinity of um, of women, all this crazy gender euphoria stuff that they put out there to normalize it. And you wonder why we are in trouble as a culture and as a church. And, we, and if we don't start raising the standard of the gospel and, are, and inform the people that are under us about this perversion that's coming through our televisions, that's coming through the media, it's coming through social media, it's coming through all these different avenues. And if you're not prepared as a pastor and as a leader to stand up to this stuff, it's, it's, it's irresponsible. Listen, gender dysphoria, gen, gender restrooms, Sexual orientation issues, uh, polym- um, polymer uh, open marriages, school violence, polygamy, more than one spouse. Gosh, if you've been married anytime, you know more than one one woman is. You're, you're absolutely crazy. Racism, infanticide, the murdering of children after they're born. You, we have to look at. We have to look at all these abominations that our that our nation has tried to normalize gotten rid of gotten rid of God out of every institution that we have so when you start looking at what's taking place maybe this is the tip of the spear of a call from heaven for the church to return back to fundamental truths of God's word it's almost like Elijah on the mountain saying who's on the Lord's side Moses before the children of Israel saying who's on the Lord's side there is a side to being with God. So Daniel, Daniel gives us this picture of, of God giving, giving the punishment out, giving the punishment out. You know, Hebrews, Hebrews uh, 12, 9 through 11, read, listen to this, because, because we have to understand that if, that God being just, he's not going to do anything that doesn't bring us back to him. Listen, it says this, furthermore, we have, we have had human fathers who correct us and we paid them respect. Shall we not, shall we not much more readily be sub, sub, subject to the father of the spirit, the spirits and life and live for they indeed for a few days chasten us as it seemed best to them. But he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastising seems to be joyful at the present time, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is a teaching lesson. This is something that we need to wake up to. This is something that we need to actually start examining ourselves and making sure that we are progressing back towards holiness. This, listen, we are partakers of holiness. 
It's tr- this all these things is to bring you back. And so when you start looking at when you start looking at Daniel, and the reason I started with Daniel was because Daniel did nothing, Shadrach did nothing, but because the sin of the nation, because the 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 lackadaisical priests, the lackadaisical uh, approach to the kingdom of God back back in back in um, Jerusalem, God says enough's enough. We need to fix this. And he sent Nebuchadnezzar in there to do that. You say, well, okay, Elias, I, I, I get that. Okay, let's look at another model. Let's look at another model. Let's look at Job. Okay, let's look at Job. Job 1, 6 through 12. Okay, now there was now there was a day when the sons of God came together to, to present themselves before God. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered, and the Lord said to him, from to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And there, and there is none like him on this earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge of protection around him, around his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in this land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you, you to you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has in your power has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Here you have, okay, here you have a situation where Satan comes directly to God and says, hey, the only reason Job loves you and serves you and is and is uh, committed to you is because you have blessed him. Drop the hedge of protection. Remember that word. Drop the hedge of protection. You got you. He is covered completely. I can't break through the protection of God. I can't break through the Psalms 91 protection that you have on him. He's protected. He's surrounded. Now, don't forget that. Because Job has it so good, that's why he's serving you. Listen, this is where the church is today. Our, our Christianity is so good as long as God's blessing us and as long as God is God is touching us and moving us and healing us, we are faithful to him. And yes, God is so good. But then when something goes wrong, we start doubting our faith. We start questioning our doctrines. We start questioning whether or not we should serve him. We start questioning him. This is what it's all about. Do you trust him when it doesn't go right? God told Satan, yes. You can, you can take his possessions, but don't touch his soul. Don't touch his body. You can't kill him. And Satan says, it's on. What was Satan saying? He will curse you to your face. Now, here's the thing you need to understand about this. Job knew nothing of this conversation. All Job began to realize was that his life was going to radically change. He was going to lose everything and everyone. He was going to get counsel from everybody on why things are happening to him. And then he hears from heaven. It's it's an amazing story. But keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Because Job had no idea this was going to happen. That God God was going to allow Satan to do something to him. Keep that in mind. That's a theological framework. Could God have allowed? Could God have allowed Hamas, allowed these jihadists, allowed the sons of Ishmael to persecute the sons of Isaac to get their message? And if he did it to Israel, they're going to do it here in America too. This is, again, this is a theological framework. Draw your conclusions. Do your own work. Okay. Now, when you look at, when you look at Acts chapter eight, okay, 
If you look at Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3, 80, 30, or 80, 33, whatever, whatever date you want. Okay. But two years when Paul, when the great apostle Paul was converted on the road to Damascus on Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 8 is roughly a two-year period between the, the, the day of Pentecost and Acts chapter 8 when Stephen was murdered. Listen, now we're going to pick up this story, okay? So AD 32, okay? Or AD 35, either one, give or take, you can have your fun with that, with that number, okay? Now Saul was consenting to his death at the, and at that time, a persecution arose and the church which was at Jerusalem, and they all were scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles and the devout men carried, carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Now, again, this is... This is where nothing happened. No, the, the people did nothing wrong. They preached the gospel. Then there was a great, there was a great persecution that Saul started. He went to get papers. He began to, he began to legalize murdering Christians. He was defending Yahweh. He was defending the law. He was defending Moses by killing off those that were on the way. Those that were, those that believed in Jesus. They were preaching the resurrection. They were preaching, they were preaching the, the prophetic word of the day that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he rose again on the third day. Paul, Saul was not going to have that. So the great persecution started. When you go to, when you go to James chapter one, listen, when you go to James chapter one, and, and it says, I, James, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, am writing, am writing to the to the 12 tribes of Israel that were scattered. What is he doing? Don't forget, because James is the pastor of Jerusalem. So when Saul began to persecute the church, it affected him. It scattered his congregation. It, it confused his people. It confused, it confused all, all the, um, all the uh, Christians of the day because they never had persecution before. They were serving God. They were doing everything right. They, they didn't understand why this was, this was happening to them. Why should it happen to them? Could it happen to them? They just loved God. James, I mean, uh, James writes it. Don't forget. And James, the pastor, because he saw his church scattered. So he's writing James. He's writing the book of James to all his congregation that got confused over why this happened to them. They didn't do anything wrong. Nothing was, they, they, they loved God. They served God. Everything was good between them and the government, them and, them and Caesar. But all of a sudden, they are scattered. They're being chased out of Jerusalem. They're being chased. They're, they're being esporia. They're being spread around, um, um, Asia like, like, like seeds. Now, James writes in Acts, in James chapter one, you put that with Acts chapter 8 of the great persecution because James is writing to them and he addresses them. James, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. In other words, he did not make excuses for the scattering, for the, for the, for the evil. He knew that the scattering, the scattering was necessary. And watch this. Watch what he writes to his people. Okay, this is where the church is today. Don't get, don't get all concerned that they attacked Israel. 
You have to understand why they attacked Israel and why they, they this may be coming to America. It's our approach to Yahweh. It's our approach to God. Watch this. James writes, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be entire, lacking nothing. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. In other words, there's a wisdom that you have to have when things happen and catch you off guard. They didn't understand why they were scattered, so he's telling them. He's telling them, hey, nobody falls on purpose. Nobody falls on purpose. Falling's an accident. There's various, you know, different types of different types of trials, different types of different types of situations that arise among us. Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh produces patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be entire and wanting nothing. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, no doubting. Ask in faith, no doubt. If you are going through something, and we see this, let's ask God for the wisdom without doubting. If we're lacking wisdom, no doubting. You have to have a perspective about, about God that's unmovable. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea and is driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Listen. Let's come down to verse 13, okay? Verse 13, and he says this, Let the lowly brother, uh, blessed is the man, listen, blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Now, what was Job? What was Job's friends? Now, let, let's tie this back. Job was not, did not have privy information on the conversation between Satan and God. He didn't have that information. But there was a hedge. There was something. It's as if God stood away and watched Job. Just stood away and watched his behavior. Well, that Greek, this Greek word, let no man say that when he is tempted, I am tempted by. It's that word by God. It's a Greek word, apo, which means that God stands away. That God puts distance between you and and the enemy. And he allows, and he allows a time of testing where the enemy will test you. Could it be that God stood away from, from Israel and oppoed them? And he's gonna oppo America? And he's gonna oppo, and you've been oppoed at times where things, tragedies have happened, things have taken place, and many people like to blame God, but we don't understand that God oppo, God can oppo you. That's what James is telling the church. He says, hey, if you want to know, ask for wisdom, but don't ever think that God tempts you with evil. Don't ever think that evil comes from his hand. Don't ever think that. My big brother Jesus would never do that. That's why it says, let no man say, that's a double neg negative. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. This is a, this is a, um, this is a lens to look through as we look through what's going on in the world, then maybe God has oppoed. Maybe God is sending a message to, to, to the world that you better start coming back to me, that righteousness and holiness are the only way. And that if you keep playing carnal games on a global scale, bad things are going to happen. I will release. I'll turn you over to those things. We are, we are, uh, we are in such a, a day where nobody, nobody has, has, has um, 
really toughened up to all the stuff that's to all the stuff that the culture's put into put out there. Oh, be silenced and be censored so we don't say anything because we don't want YouTube to take us down and we don't want this this station to take us down. And so we censor ourselves. No, we have to start declaring and proclaiming the truth. I mean, there's a wonderful there's a wonderful Proverbs, Proverbs 26, 2. It says this, as the bird, as a bird by wandering, as a swallow by flying, so the curse causeless does not come. In other words, this, this did not come just randomly. See, the things that are happening to you are not coming to you randomly. The curse causeless does not come. There's a cause and effect. We need to turn back to God. We need to stop being surprised by the things that are happening because it, it, it looks it looks like it's it's mean or it's evil or it's wrong or God would never do that. Stop saying God would never do that as if you have this special understanding of what God would do. First Peter 4.12 says this, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery, the pyros trials, not just trials, but trials that are on fire, that will light you on fire, that will put your life on fire which try you as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you are, you partake of Christ's sufferings, that you partake of Christ's sufferings. It's time for the church to look at this and say, I am a Christian. I am those, my brothers and sisters out there that are suffering. I identify with them. I will suffer with them. I'm ready to stand up and say, I believe in Jesus and whatever comes my way. It says that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. See, there is a you're going to be persecuted and put on trial for glorifying God. They're going to blaspheme him, but your stance glorifies God. I know, sounds a lot different, huh? That suffering glorifies God. I know that that's, that doesn't go with the greasy grace and the bless me, the bless me clubs and the prophecies that, that, that are all over the Facebook. I, I, I know that God's going to release a, a, a financial blessing on you next week. Yeah, okay, okay. You keep, keep going to Prophet Peter Pan's and, and listening to that stuff and not get solid on your perspectives of who God is. He says this, he says this, but let no one of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. For this, for the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those that do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to the faithful creator. Wow, that's that's Peter. That's fire breathing Peter. He starts saying, he starts saying, look, the suffering, as long as you're suffering for righteousness, as long as your suffering glorifies God, you're good. Move in that direction. Don't think it's strange when you find yourself in difficult predicaments. Right now, Israel's in a is in a predicament. We in America, the churches need to stand up and we need to start preaching righteousness and holiness and getting our act together when it comes to the things that please God. A biblical lens, a biblical, a biblical worldview. God's not afraid to turn you over to something. That's what church don't get. 
this this constant oh the lord loves you and he'll oh he'll never he'll never do anything mean to you your problems will all be over when the when you come and serve jesus okay keep believing that obviously you haven't read the bible your problems will begin when you start trusting the lord when you stand up for righteousness and holiness when you go against the culture and say enough's enough of that stuff maybe this is a calling from heaven telling us to get right that he's not playing that real destruction is coming we don't want this event on our land and we have to get right with god maybe it's god stepping away and start saying okay let's see he oppos us he oppo job he oppo job he oppo he oppo uh jerokim the king and allowed Nebuchadnezzar to go in there and siege and pilferage the temple and steal Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all kinds of youth. I'm telling you, maybe it's God dropping the hedge of protection and letting evil surface to see how we respond back to him because holiness is what he's calling us back to. Without holiness, no man shall see God. I pray you listen to this. I pray you open your eyes to the scriptures, the text, and do not be confused. God is good. He knows how to discipline us. He knows how to take care of us. He knows what's best for the body. He knows what's best for the world. So hang in there. God is good. We win in the end. Do not stumble. Do not stumble. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And remember, Romans, all things work together for the good. All things, all things to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I pray that you enjoyed this. It brings some stimulating thoughts to you, a different perspective. And uh, it's not such a bless me club thing, but a sobering, a sobering message, a sobering. I, I even forgot. I didn't even give you Luke. Luke also talks about uh, about them t- pulling us out of the temple and persecuting us. Crazy. It's not there. I know it's not. You don't want to preach that on Sunday morning because some of your people won't come back to church. But you got to preach the whole counsel of God. Don't let them miss a thing. Don't let them miss a thing. Preach the word. Be faithful to the text. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.